Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by site co-experts Lucas Johnson and Chris Klein. Welcome to another episode of the Six Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, with my co-host here, Christopher Klein, and our producer, Uriah Young. And we have a very special guest tonight, his second time on the podcast. Everybody welcome Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Everybody, how are we doing tonight, guys? Doing well. Thanks for having me, fellas. Doing well. We're really excited to have you on, Keith, and we look forward to talking some Sixers basketball. So we're going to hop right in here to Doc Rivers, the Sixers' new head coach, they signed him to a five-year contract last week. We'll just jump right in. Keith, did you like the hiring, and what do you think of his hit fit both on the court and in the city? You know, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, to me, it was <clears throat> I was shocked that they were able to get him. I mean, because, you know, when he got fired that Monday, next thing you know, he was in here interviewing on Wednesday. He accepted the job on Thursday. So that was a quick turnaround. But I think when you talk about the 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 candidates, you know, he was the best one. We're talking about, you know, a guy who won a championship. We're talking about a guy who, you know, 11th all time with wins, you know, a guy who through his tenure, he coached a lot of hall of famers, you know what I mean? So when you look at Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers, excuse me, he checks all the boxes, so to speak. And I know there are some people who say, well, he struggled. I mean, they lost three, one leads in, in playoffs, well, you know, sometimes it's best to go somewhere else and start anew. And I think that's what, you know, this is the opportunity he has in Philly. And I think that Doc Rivers, you know, of the candidates, he was by far the best one. I tend to agree with you there, Keith. And I want to build off the point is that you brought up that he failed in, in with the Clippers. Before he got there, the Clippers were a joke of the franchise of a franchise. Besides, besides a very short Sean Livingston era that was cut down by a horrific injury, the Clippers had very little success. So I think overall, Doc Rivers elevated them from one of the worst teams in the NBA to a true, like, classy franchise uh, that they are now, and made a own a, you know a billionaire like Steve Ballmer definitely interested in buying them. He, I'm, you can't deny that he was a big part of that. So in terms of how he fits the Sixers, I agree with you. I think he was the best candidate, hands down, and that's why I think the job came so quickly to him versus other people like Ty Lue and Mike D'Antoni. He's just a clear cut above both of them just based off his resume. And I think he fits the city well, too. You know, he, uh, he has a connection with Do- uh, Dr. J, which I'm sure we'll touch on later in this uh, podcast, but you know, overall, I think he just fits the city. You know, he's a grinded out type guy. He he he's not afraid to rate, you know, call out certain people, and that's you know, he's not afraid to really call out anybody, and that's what the city of Philadelphia is all about. I mean, just look at the fan base last this past season. They, even though we had a great home record, they were still booing the the team half the time just because they knew how bad they can't. They they were playing some at certain points, and their road record did not reflect how good they were at home. 
So I think it's a great fit. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is a great fit. And and like, here's the thing: like, I don't, I know a lot of people don't weren't high on Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue's a great coach too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and what I mean not high on him is because of the LeBron James thing. I think mm-hmm. Dan Tony is, you know, he gets a lot of wins. He does what he has to do. I just didn't think it was a perfect fit for the Sixers. But again, mm-hmm. like to piggy off what you said when you talk about Doc Rivers. It's kind of sort of like, you know, three, I'll say four years ago, the Mount Rushmore of NBA coaches, current coaches, three of them were Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers, and Tom Thibodeau, right? Now, again, you know, Doc was recently fired. Tibbs had the Jimmy Butler fiasco, so to speak, in Minnesota. But they were the three top coaches. They were so good that they were also like front office guys running the show. So, you know, if the Sixers, based on all the things that's going on right now and, and, and the Sixers being able to get a Doc Rivers, it brings instant credibility to the franchise. And so that's the thing that I really liked about it, you know? He definitely brings uh, his credibility to the franchise, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I've been on the record as maybe being more skeptical skeptical about Rivers than, than others um, on this podcast. But again, he's like the 11th winningest coach, I think, in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won a championship with Boston. It, it's hard to find a guy more accomplished than him. He consistently has some of the best offenses in basketball. The Sixers obviously need some rejuvenation on that side of the ball. So by every account, it, it's a pretty great hire, and you, you could have done a lot worse. Um, I, I, too, like Ty Lue a lot, and I was a pretty big Mike D'Antoni fan, but but Rivers is, is by all means, a, a great hire. And, obviously, Rivers on Monday had his press conference. You were there via Zoom, Keith. What stood out to you most from what he had to say at that press conference? You know, it, it was, it was a, a good press conference. To be honest with you, the things that he didn't say kind of stood out to me. When when you go to these press conferences, let's be real. Everyone wants to talk about how much they love the job that they got. Well, we know you love it because you took you applied for it, right? You know, so they do all that other stuff. They say those things. The thing that stood out to me was that, you know, he wouldn't throw Ben or Joel under the bus. And, you know, some people look at it as if like, oh, well, you know, he's doing like what Brett Brown used to do. I didn't see it that way. What I took it as, here's a new coach. He's going to give these guys an opportunity and to show what they can do. And he's not going to coach them through the media. Now, when they get out there or if he has conversations, he's going to say to Ben, like, hey, this is your role. This is what we want you to do. And he would say, if you make some shots, if you take some shots, it could typically help us out. You know, Joel, you know, I've been around guys before. Um, if you just take your condition a little bit more seriously, you're, you're a bona fide Hall of Famer. You're, you're, no one will stop you. You'll be first-team All-NBA. We know that he's going to say stuff like that. But what he did is he took, he protected his guys. Now, this is something else that, he, that really stood out to me was, you know, he basically made a great point. He talked about everyone wants to be like Golden State, but they don't have the talent as Golden State. You know, everybody wants to heavily in analytics. They want to shoot all these threes. And when you look at it, the Lakers are about to win the NBA NBA championship. 
and you look at the Toronto Raptors last year, won the NBA championship, they were big teams, big like the Sixers. So when you, when you see stuff like that, you know, Doc Rivers is like making a great, making great points. So those are the things that really stood out to me. I really like the fact that he's not trying to pigeon toe Ben into a certain role. And I'm, I'm planning on writing on this later. You know, what type, what type of role are we going to see Ben? Are we going to see him more like Blake Griffin or more like Rajon Rondo? And the great thing is that I don't, I, in, I don't think an introductory press conference is the place to do it. And I, you know, he didn't really pigeonhole Ben at that point because he hasn't really worked with Ben. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But I think, you know, that was a great takeaway that I took away from this anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He also brought up the point that Joe and Ben have won 65% of their games mm-hmm. together. We have pretty hard proof that these guys can work together if you put the right pieces around them and, and you run the right sets. Clearly, Brett Brown kind of lost its touch towards the end of last season. I think Doc is going to bring a lot of change on that front. And like you said, Keith, I think he is going to hold Joe and Ben accountable, maybe more so than Brett did. I know that was a complaint that some guys in the locker room had at the end of last year. So so I do expect, expect some positive change on that front. And that yeah. kind of segues, segues nicely into our, our next question is, what do you think the Sixers' new identity is going to look like next season under Doc Rivers? Mm, I, I think it's going to, it's kind of hard to say right now, just because I want to see what they do in free agency, right? Or if they can make some trades, but I don't really see it. I don't really see it changing all that much. And and, and the reason being is I, I, I think that your two stars are still going to be Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, right? Um, I think Tobias Harris is still going to be, your third option on the team. And then they're going to have a bunch of, you know, role players around them. You know, now Josh Richardson isn't what you call a quote unquote role player, but he's going to be probably the fourth option or the fifth option on that team, fourth option. So when I look at it, I kind of see the same. I don't see them in regards to shooting as many threes and doing all this other stuff that they did, but I do see them getting out and running. I do see them scoring a lot of points, you know, doing the things that they tried to do. But so I think it's going to be the same. But I think that if they go out there and they trade for a great guard, a guy who can knock down shots, then it to me, it would change a little bit. But right now I see much of the same. I think I think you're you hit the nail right on the head there in terms of what they do in, in free agency and the trade market is really in the draft is really going to dictate what they how they're going to play moving forward. Uh, one thing that I, I think that we'll definitely see, regardless of moves, is that I think we're going to see Ben and, and Tobias in a lot of pick and rolls this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel's not a great pick and roll player based off this, uh, based off of what I've seen, plus the stats back it up there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Joel doesn't seem like a great finisher in the pick and, roll, pick and pop type guy, if, if anything, but... I think we're going to see a lot of because Ben and, Joel and Tobias are great in the pick and roll. I think Doc is really good at exploiting his guys' strengths, and I think we'll see that a lot this season. Uh, obviously, you need a guard to run it, and you know there's a lot of good options in the draft as well as uh, the trade market. Uh, I think with Doc Rivers now, and I, I'm going to, you know, I want to make this. Uh, I don't want to make this too big of a point, but I don't think we're in as strong of a running for Chris Paul as we used to be because him and Chris Paul did not end well. 
overall, I think, you know, you could still trade for or sign a good veteran guard in free agency or the trade market. So I think pick and rolls are going to be more featured moving forward. No, I, I was just going to say, I think, I think you're both dead on. Um, Keith, you mentioned free agency or tr- the trade market really is going to play a big role. This team looks offensively. Um, I know Doc mentioned pace specifically, and he wants the Sixers to, you know, run harder, run faster next season. I think that's going to be a pretty big change. But overall, I think you're right. It's going to depend on who exactly is, you know, on the roster. Elton has a lot of work to do, and the front office has a lot of work to do. Um, they, it seems like they aren't going to really fire anyone at this point. So, you know, they have to redeem themselves because last summer was, by all measurements, a disaster. So mm-hmm. we're we're really going to have their metal tested, um, see what they can do with, with the group they've put together. I guess our next question can kind of be rephrased, Keith, is how do you see Elton Brand approaching roster changes now that Doc is head coach specifically? Do you think he's going to target a certain player or a certain type of player to maybe fit Doc's system? How do you see that maybe playing out? Um. Yeah, I, I think they can. I, I think right now, regardless of, well, Regardless of who's there, I think they need they need to go out and get a shooter and they need a point guard. You know, right now, you look at this team and with Ben Simmons and 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 uh, Tobias and let's just say if they keep Al um, Joel, I think at the four and five spot, they're going to be OK. Well, what they need is they need some more shooters and they need more ball handlers. Like, I like Shake Milton. I like what Shake Milton um, did. I don't know if Shake Milton is an NBA point guard, though. You know, like, um, so with that being said, like, you want to get an additional ball hander, uh, one or two, you know, because I don't think Raul Neto, Raul Neto's coming back. So you got Ben Simmons, but you need a backup, and then you need a, an insurance policy, so to speak. So to me, it's an additional ball handler and it's some shooters, you know, that's what I think Elton brand is going to go after this, this off season. So it's, it's funny that you brought up Howell metal Keith, because on a previous podcast, me and Chris made a bet saying that, uh, betting that if Howell metal comes back, I have to buy his Jersey. But if he doesn't, Chris has, has to buy a, uh, who was it? Chris, was it a Trey Isaiah Burke jersey? Thomas. Isaiah Thomas jersey if yeah. he becomes a member of the Sixers, which mm-hmm. I think Isaiah Thomas would be a great fit, especially now that he had his hip surgery. But going back to your point, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. They're absolutely loaded in the front court. They need backward help in terms mm-hmm. of shooter, ball handlers. I think Shake Milton is either your starting two guard or your 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 spark plug off the bench. I think that's that's your best bet to use. That's the best way to use him. I don't think he's a pure point guard even though he showed flashes i think he's just better suited at he's he could very well become doc rivers jamal jamal murray uh not jamal murray crawford. jamal crawford yes yep, yeah, yep. I, I could see him uh grew i could see doc grooming shaken to that role and gosh wouldn't that be great for the sixers yeah it would yeah um i think you're both right again i think free agency is really going to determine the path of this team uh, like you said, Keith, shooting and playmakers in the backcourt is, is really something that the Sixers lack right now. Doc can do, you know, everything possible as a coach, and I, I just don't know if the Sixers are going to be able to accomplish much of anything, especially in the postseason. 
if Shake Milton and Josh Richardson are their only real guards. So I, I do think that's definitely an area that they, they need to focus on. And uh, uh, I'll pass it over to Lucas to, to dive into our next couple of topics. So I'm going to go ahead and get started here. Keith, okay. with the addition of, of Doc Rivers, do you think he boosts the Sixers' chance of where they uh, end in the conference and the division? I do, but, you know, it's weird. I, I don't know how – I mean, okay, he makes them better. He's a he's a good coach. He's motivated. I mean, he says he's always been motivated, but I think whenever you're fired, you know, you you, you get a little extra motivation, right, even mm-hmm. if he admits to it. The My only thing is I don't know how, how, how far – I mean, how much better they are. Now, I know they are going to be better, but I don't know how much better. And the reason being is because – you know, if they say we made a trade for Al Horford and got us a knockdown shooter, I'm like, OK, they're going to be a lot better. But we haven't seen that yet. And then when you look at, unfortunately for them, <laughs> when you look at Boston, you look at Toronto, you look at the Miami Heat, you know, Milwaukee's going to be Milwaukee. Like all these teams you know, have gotten better and they were considerably better than the Sixers you know, at late in the season. So, you know, yes, they're going to be better, but I, it's hard for me to say that, okay, they're going to finish second, they're going to finish third in the East. You know, I just can't say that just now until I see what the full roster is like. I mean, you look at the East right now, you got Boston, who's going to be right back where they are next season. You got Brooklyn, who's going to have KD and Kyrie, presumably healthy. You got Toronto, mm-hmm. who's still going to be really good. Obviously, have the Bucks and the Heat. Um, I, I really don't think we should discount Milwaukee for all the troubles Mike Budenholzer has had. They they still have Giannis, and they've still been an extremely good team. And they're it looks like they're looking to make some moves this this summer. So we'll see where that goes. But uh, I mean, obviously, Doc Rivers makes them better, as you said. In in terms of like conference standings and in the playoffs, I, I really don't know if the Sixers have much of a chance of getting past where they were unless they, like we mentioned, make make some pretty big moves this offseason. Well, I'll say this. I think that there's a chance that the Raptors fall off because they got a lot of key free agents coming up this summer. They got the both of their bigs. Fred Van Bleet, who's going to be a hot commodity this offseason. Uh, I think the Raptors have a chance to fall. But overall, I think you guys are right. I think there's just too many good teams that are up and coming in the East. We didn't even mention the Pacers, who, depending yeah. on who they hire, I mean, and if, you know, Victor Oladipo, you know, figures out what he wants and he stays or they he goes, and they could be a threat, too, because they have the big bodies to challenge the, the Sixers more than most teams in the East, besides maybe the Bucks and the Raptors. So I think you've got to look at it. Like, the the East is going to be loaded. So, yeah, he makes them better, but... Until, like Keith said, you until you make moves, either Al Horford or less likely Tobias Harris, but, it, it, you know, we're not going to see how good they can be until, you know, the offseason officially starts, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think you also have to look at it from the perspective of Miami is going to be a pretty big destination this offseason. If any star, you know, wants out of their situation or any big free agent wants to head down there, they're going to have a pretty good shot at getting him. Uh, and you look at the Nets, too, who have a lot of pretty solid trade chips. If they want to try to add a third guy next to Kyrie and KD, Boston, 
again, has, has plenty of assets themselves. So uh, other teams are going to be getting better too. So it's going to be tough, but I, I do think Doc makes the Sixers better. Uh, and I'm excited to see just where they, they land. So I know we kind of, we don't know for sure, Keith, but I, I'm curious, just based off, you know, prior to the start of the offseason, where would you rank each team entering next season in the East, the top eight teams? Oh, let me see. The top <laughs> the top eight teams. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just going to go out there and say if Giannis comes back, I think, wow, I think the team that's probably going to make the big jump because these guys are young and they got confidence it could be the Boston Celtics. No, no, no. Yeah, it could be Boston. And then I think Brooklyn, I think Miami, um, Milwaukee could be number two. Wow. This is tough, dude. This is tough. And let, let me say uh, uh, Boston, Milwaukee, um, Brooklyn, or Miami. And then, so that's four right there, right? Toronto mm-hmm. is number five. Because you guys just brought up some great points about people leaving. And then I believe it's going to be between the Sixers and Indiana right now. Again, this is me looking at the Sixers roster right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn could be battling for number one or number two or number three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just got to see who's going to be playing on that team with those guys. Who do you think gets that number eight spot? I think it could be Orlando. And 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 the reason why I'm saying that, because I think Washington's going to make the playoffs as the number six or number seven seed, in my opinion, because I think that the, the Wizards are going to be better. I think, you know, you got John Wall coming back. You have Bradley Bill coming back. I mean, you, you have uh, uh, Rui Hachimura. I think that Washington is going to be a, a quality team. I, I mean, I do. And I think Orlando will be a squad. You know, I think, you know, they may be a little bit better, but I, I, I think that they're going to battle for that seventh, eighth seed. I think they're going to be the eighth seed. Yeah, I I think your last point, Keith, is interesting because Washington had one of the best offenses in the NBA period last season. They can score the basketball. Um, defense is obviously a pretty big issue, but you get John Wall back, who, who can defend pretty well himself. You maybe add a few more pieces around the periphery, and and I definitely think they can make more noise than maybe maybe people think. Um, Atlanta might be a team to watch if Trey Young makes another leap. They got Clint Capella, uh, who should be healthy by the time next season starts. So so that might be a team to watch too. But but overall, I, I really thought you you nailed it. My my eighth spot is actually going to go to the Bulls because I think Billy Donovan takes that core of young players, and I I just believe he takes them to the next level. I think he's that good of a coach, and I think that their former head coach, oh, Jim Boylan, did an awful mm-hmm. job, and they could have been in the playoff hunt this year. So I think they'll be in the playoff. I think they'll be the eighth seed next year, and I think Orlando takes a step back because I I don't know if Jonathan Isaac's going to be there for the whole season next year based off his. Uh, injury that he got during the bubble. Yeah, but the guy, look out for Markel, folks. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, Markel. Hey. All right, Chris, you want to take away this next section? Yeah. So 
I guess now we're going to move into some conversation about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and their relationship. Um, in an article you wrote recently, Keith, you kind of compared them to Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. I know that's something a lot of like aggregators and stuff ran with on Twitter, uh, maybe a bit irresponsibly. What What were your thoughts on how they get, you know, get along? What's your feeling there, and how do you think Doc Rivers is going to impact that relationship? Yeah, like the couple of the aggregators, like they took stuff. And I ain't gonna say took it out of context. Like I said, you know, didn't always get along, and the guy said they don't get along. Now, here's the thing. I'm gonna say this. Are they are they besties? No, they're not besties. I mean, have they had disagreements? Of course they had. You know, are both of them like used to being the guy? Yeah. You know, and does that bring some friction sometimes? Yep, it does. Now, what I meant, what I said was in regards to Kobe and Shaq, here are two alpha males, two guys who are franchise players, and they're sharing the same spot. So there are certain times that whereas you everybody wants to be the guy like you're not used to not being the guy so when when i talked about ty Lu being good for them that relationship is because he was there i mean he had a front row seat to the kobe shack relationship so he knows how you know you you go about and you try to get these two guys playing together so that's what i meant by that and the thing about Ben Simmons and, and Joel, yes, right now, Ben Simmons is a third-team All-NBA. He's a, def- a first-team All-Defensive guy. So he knows who he is. He's about to make um, $30 million this season. You know, Joel Embiid right now is a little motivated and ju- uh, motivated because he didn't make an All-NBA team for the first time in three years. Um, and he didn't make an all defensive team for the first time in three years. So, but but I look at it as these two guys, they don't have to like be besties. They don't have to get along, you know, all the time. But at the same time, I think that they both know that, you know, we're here to win and they're both paid now. They're both paid now. So there should be, you know, if there was some insecurity before, there shouldn't be it anymore because they know they're both going to get paid and Joel Embiid's going to get another max deal in a couple of years. So, you know what I mean? So I think that when you have a guy like Doc Rivers, he comes in here and he can say, you know what, y'all, when we had the Boston Celtics, and this is true, he had the Boston Celtics. They had Paul Pierce, who was the alpha dog of the Boston Celtics team. You had Ray Allen, who was the alpha dog of the Milwaukee Bucks. And you had KG, the alpha dog of um, Minnesota. He got all three of those guys to play together. And they all bought in for like a team goal. So I think if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm going to duplicate what I did in in, uh, in Boston. And, and you see how that worked out and how they won a championship. So I think that if I'm Doc, that's what I'm doing. And if I'm Joe and Ben right now, I'm a little bit secure because you know, in order for these guys to win a championship, they have to do what Paul Pierce and KG and Ray Allen did. They have to play together. If they don't play together, the 76ers are going to get bumped out in the first round again. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point, Keith. Um, and I, I totally agree. I think Boston is a great blueprint for Doc to follow. Mm-hmm. And I also think that 
Doc is probably going to have a much better chance of resonating with Joe and Ben than Brett did, especially there towards the end of his tenure. Um, I mean, by all accounts, Brett was a nice guy, and you know he got along with people. But it, it's pretty clear that once the boat was rocked, I guess to a certain degree, he really kind of struggled to regain control, I think. Um, at least that's what it felt like from the outside looking in. But I, I guess the argument to that would be that Rivers had a lot of star talent, star power in Los Angeles last season, mm-hmm. and they kind of fell apart there at the end. And it was pretty clear that guys maybe didn't get along. Certain guys maybe didn't like their roles too much. It felt like Montrez Harrell maybe was a bit dissatisfied with how he was used. So so that that might be a point that someone could use to say maybe Doc doesn't have a perfect track record in this in this sense. But but I, I think on you know on the whole I think you're you're dead on. Yeah, I, you know what I mean to cut off, but I, I think a lot of that, like when you think about it, let's go back let's go back to that night where the where the players met, the night that the Milwaukee Bucks the night that the Milwaukee Bucks walked off the court, right? Or they didn't mm-hmm. show up. And you remember there were two teams in the bubble that said they did they they didn't want to play. You know, one was the Lakers, the other one was the Clippers. They did not want to play. And then you remember when um like Paul George was talking about he was battling depression and this and that. I think that the Clippers, to me, the Clippers were the best team. But I think like the bubble did them in. You know, guys, you know, any problems they may have had, you know, off the court, it surfaced in the bubble. You know, the guys, they they voted to get off the island, so to speak, right? They wanted to get out of there. And then it's kind of sort of like, you know, Paul George wasn't himself. So I think that, you know, again, they did lose the games. You can't make any excuse for them. But I think that if it wasn't for a bubble, this team probably would have been at least playing for the Western Conference. You know what I mean? I think it, it affected them badly. And the fact that they voted to get off, to me, that was a bad sign because it, it was like, how motivated are you guys and how much do you guys want to continue on? And it's it's hard for a coach to you know to say, hey, rah, rah, let's do the skipper speeches, you know? Hey, Keith, I think the real issue was that Lou Williams decided not to share his lemon pepper wings. I think that that yeah, probably that really be. got them down. <laughs> you know, then he came back like, dang, really, dude? Really? I'm sitting here looking at them and you're having lemon pepper wings. Just so- hey, I, I, was telling, I was telling these young guys, Keith, a couple of weeks ago that back in my heyday, I actually uh, went to Magic City. It was back in the oh, wow. 90s. Uh-huh. And I and I wasn't there for the wings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, my my brother, my brother lives in Atlanta, and I he took me there once. Yeah, I didn't even know they sold wings. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Will, apparently, you guys should have gone with Lou William when when he went there. At least you guys knew what where where to go. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I think the, to it's fair Williams. to, yeah, shout out to Lou Williams. But I think it's fair to say that the Clippers overall just weren't a mentally tough, tough team. You could say that about the Chris Paul and uh, Blake Griffin era, and about the uh, the Kawhi Leonard era too. And I think, I mean, Chris Paul is kind of a leader, but you know, he's not. I don't think he's the leader, the leader that a championship level team needs. And 
Kawhi and Paul George are, were not those leaders either. And I think yeah. you need to have a strong leader for, uh, you know, if Doc Rivers is going to – and that's what he had in Boston. He had Paul Pierce and KG. Now the question is, Tobias Harris became that leader for the Sixers this past season. Can Doc rely on Tobias Harris keeping those the two stars accountable? And that's going to be the real test that we're going to see, uh, you know, moving into the moving forward. But I think overall, I think there is some level of accountability now that Tobias Harris has figured out his role as a leader. And same thing with Josh Richardson. And I think Doc Rivers helps reinforce that much better than Brett ever could have. I agree. For sure. And and I guess our, our last question here before we get to Uriah and our, our final point. Joel welcomed Rivers to the team on Twitter. Uh, ben Simmons did not. Do you read into that at all, Keith? Is, is that a, a big deal or anything in your mind? Nah, because it wasn't like... <laughs> I mean, if everyone in the team would have welcomed him and Ben didn't, yeah. then you say it. But nah, Joel was the only one. And I thought Joel's welcome was more like clarification. Because if you notice, he tweeted out something right before they announced that Doc Rivers was coming before it dropped. And I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, you don't like the coach? You don't like the coach? And then he comes back with like, oh, welcome to Philly. You know, this and that. And I mm-hmm. think, like, you know, I mean, again, it was – he welcomed him. He did it. Um, I, I don't think people should look into Ben. You know, he, even if Joel didn't do that on purpose, I mean, even if he didn't mean to do it, I'm talking about, like, as what I said was wrong, you know, regardless, people were going to read into it anyway. <laughs> so he did it. <laughs> but, nah, I mean, again – that goes to tell you that how different their personalities are. And there's nothing against Ben and nothing against Joe. They're just two completely different guys. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I tend not to read into Twitter too much. Uh, obviously, Joel has gone out of his way to kind of poke fun at fans and the front office and and everyone basically this, this offseason. Uh, and I guess there's a separate conversation to be had about, like, how happy is Joel with where the team's at? But with regard to this specific situation, I, I really didn't think it was anything to to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed I noticed those tweets as well, and I was very confused by them. So I'm glad that he tweeted that out and clarified it. I thought it was more tweet of clarity than anything else because I was like, are these are these lyrics or are these like aimed for somebody? Like I'm not sure because I'm not really in touch with music nowadays. But. But I think it's time for Uriah to come in with his portion here. Sure, sure. So we this is our special midweek edition podcast. And typically what we do, Keith, is we have a social media question of the week that we post on Saturday. And then we get all of the data and all the responses and we share it on Sunday. But uh, for this, since we didn't put a question out, uh, let's let's talk. We've already talked about the present and made some predictions about the future but let's talk about uh, the past. Let's take a trip down memory lane. So Keith and, and Lucas and Chris, I'm going to give you guys five players that have played for the 76ers at some point in history. And the focus is dunking. All right. Let's talk about the top five dunkers in franchise history. So here are the names, and you guys give me any order that you feel that you're good with. So here are the players. We have Jerry Stackhouse, mm-hmm. Julius Serving. Mm-hmm. Daryl Dawkins, mm-hmm. 
Charles Barkley and Andre Iguodala. Wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it one more time. Stackhouse, Dr. J, Charles Barkley, Daryl Dawkins, and Andre Iguodala. Where do we go, guys? All right. So, oh, so then I'm going to go Barkley number five. Then I'm going to go Stackhouse number four. I'm going to go uh, Iguodala number three. I'm going Dawkins number two because he was breaking backboards. And then I got the <laughs> doctor. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll admit my exposure to these players is probably not as, as thorough as Keith's, uh, being that I'm much younger. <laughs> um, hold up, hold up, I, I was, hold up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, again, I, I was born in 99, so I, I'm, I'm yeah, a bit behind, be. maybe. You but, still got uh, YouTube, though. You still got YouTube, Chris. Yeah, Come I on. got YouTube. I've seen these guys. So, honestly, my, my list might be the same as Keith's. Um, I mean, obviously, Dr. J's number one. I mean, he's easily one of the most iconic dunkers in NBA history, period. And then, you know, Chocolate Thunder, the nickname says it all. You, you got to find <laughs> Dawkins number two. Uh, he can do, you know. So I I, I think I like where, where Keith is at. So for me, I'm going to change it up just slightly at the end. I got, uh, I got Stackhouse at number... Five, I got uh, Sir Charles at number four. I got Iggy at number three. Chocolate Thunder at number two. And The Doctor at number one. Oh, okay. I I figured everybody would have Doc at number one. And for me, I'm just going to say, I wrote an article about this. I'm not going to give away my order. But what I will say is I agree with everyone that Dr. J is number one for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons. He pretty much revolutionized uh, what entertainment is for basketball fans when he was in the ABA and he was part of the first dunk contest and he jumped from the foul line. I mean, if you think about it, Dr. J inspired Michael Jordan. I think there's a photograph, guys, where Michael Jordan in his dorm room at UNC, I think he had a, a picture. If I'm not mistaken, I think he had a picture of Dr. J on his wall. So Dr. J, just he said, he said the trend for everybody. So I will agree with that. But... You know who else was good that you didn't mention? Oh, you, you didn't mention who's that? Rodney Carney. Oh, he was yeah, nice. That's right. Yeah, he was here for a cup of coffee though. He was yeah, but you say yeah, but you're right. But yeah, he was. He was nice. <laughs> he kind of reminds me, Keith. He kind of reminds me a little bit of. Uh, I probably will be struck by lightning, but I say this. But I'm just looking at their size and and their strength. Like the Greek freak a little bit because yeah. they were both really tall and long arms. Yeah, he was um, a poor man's Greek freak. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised he didn't last in the league longer than he did. Yeah, what happened to him? I don't even know what happened to Carney. Didn't he get – I know he got some trouble after he was done playing with UNC and like some uh, cheating stuff. But before then, I'm not sure. Chris, do you want to play us out with our outro? Yeah, um, Keith, again, we really appreciate you coming on. We'd love to have you back again in the future. And uh, yeah, yeah, you all can follow Keith on Twitter, of course, at Pompeii on Sixers. He's one of the most reliable guys around when it comes to writing about this team. 
You can read all his work at the Philadelphia Inquirer, which is, is just absolute must-read material when it comes to the Sixers. To all our listeners, we do really appreciate you spending the time of day, the time of week with us to talk Sixers basketball. There's a lot going on right now. A lot of people are under a lot of stress, and it means the world to us that you're willing to, to you know, take the time to, to listen to our podcast. So we'll be back next week, and thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.